1: ixl learning is an online learning program for kids it covers math language arts science and social studies ixl is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback backed by research kids using ixl are scoring higher on tests powered by advanced algorithms ixl gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects one subscription gets you everything with ixl learning and all the kids in your home work off one
2: This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the Cap Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to the
3: Cap Post Game Review Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman, on board here to discuss Kansas State's Nice. 37-28 victory over Texas Tech wasn't overwhelming. They kind of went to sleep for a while, but they woke up and got it done at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday. A crowd of more than 50,000 on hand. It wasn't quite declared a sellout, but I guess if you're over 50,000 and that's the capacity, you probably were sold out. Brian, um, let's just dive in. Oh, folks, by the way, we're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. It's Caddyshack Golfwear. Caddy with two T's. Visit caddyshackgolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing, willy, apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free. free. Free shipping on your next order. Brian joining me here and uh, quite the start to this game, Brian. K-State gets out 13-0. Really probably missed an opportunity to blow this game open in the first quarter by settling for a pair of field goals after a two-play drive got him into the end zone on the first possession of the game. And uh, Tech started climbing back in. And before you know it, in the second half, it's 20-20, and it seems like K-State's in big trouble Brother, I thought K-State squandered the game. I thought they'd let Tech off the hook and Tech was going to win.
2: Yep, I thought the exact same thing. I thought when we settled for those two field goals and right before the half, when they got that field, I thought, okay, they're going to literally get the ball. They're going to go down and score. Because we hadn't really – we would stopped them until the last two drives. Like they figured us out what was going to work, and I thought, uh-oh. And then when they tied the game at 20-20 to – and then they stopped us, I thought, oh, this is not working out the way that I thought this was at all. But it kind of goes back to what we talked about you know, in the pregame podcast about if we get them down, we have to put our foot on the gas and keep going because they are not going to quit, yeah. and they didn't. They did not quit, not even a little bit. So it made me nervous, but, you know, the guys fought back.
3: What changed uh, in that running game? K-State came out and Adrian Martinez ran it twice, covering 75 yards. Really impressive way to start the game. They got back to him later in the game. But the middle of the game, the the running game for Kansas State just stalled. What do you think happened to them?
2: Well, it was some of it was play calling. I mean, we got to just be honest with everything. Some of it was play calling, pretty conservative, Um some of it was, I think they did a really good job, Tech, I mean, of making adjustments. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did. They made some adjustments. Um, but we were able to counter and make adjustments back, you know, when we needed to run the football again near the end of the game. But I just thought Tech did a really, really good job of adjusting in-game. You know, not a lot of coaches can do that, you know, and they just did a really good job of it and took away what we were trying to do. And it took us a while to adjust to that. And I think that's part of Colin Klein's, you know, uh, maturation to get better at at in-game adjustments, get to it quicker, and not just continue to, you know, just, just basically just get to it quicker. That's all. And he, and we did. We finally got to it after they made the adjustments. We just needed to get there quicker.
3: It was interesting. I can't remember which player. Maybe it was Deuce Vaughn said in the post game that, you know, Colin Klein's not a fire and brimstone guy in any way, but there was a little bit of that at halftime, that um, he kind of turned up the heat on his players and demanded a little bit more than what they were giving because they – kind of started sleepwalking like they did through the whole Tulane game. And I thought, what, what is this team doing? Haven't they learned their lesson from what happened against Tulane, but uh, they did get it going again. And I'm telling you, Brian Hanley, that combination of Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez is every bit the trouble for opposing defenses as I, as I thought it would be. And today it was incredible. Adrian yeah. with 171, Deuce with 170. You get 341 yards out of your backfield tandem. Are you kidding me? That is churning up the ground game.
2: I mean, if we're going to get that kind of effort every week, and I mean, obviously we're not going to get you know that many, necessarily that many yards out of those two, but if we're going to get that kind of effort, man, I mean look out because it is, it, it was just dominating. It literally was. And again, it, it goes to show that off the offensive line. I mean, the first play of the game offensive of the line blew a hole, a Mack truck could have driven through. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And some of those were long runs and, and, but you know what? I'm not a type of person that says, you know, if you take away the long run it's that no, the long run counts. Last time I checked those yards count. I go, because if he would have got stopped for one yard, then that would have counted too. So the long runs count. And I just think that we just, we're we doing a really good job of of blocking up front the last couple of weeks. They, they've just done a great job of blocking up front, man. It's just been – you can't give them enough credit. They did a great job. Offensive line again.
3: And and they finished the game with a shuffled lineup because KT Levinson apparently caught a finger in the eye and didn't come back after that. So Cooper Beebe had to go out to tackle. Uh, Del Forge came in at guard. They're essentially playing with two guys that weren't supposed to be starting at guard with the injuries now. And they didn't miss a beat, Brian. It was impressive how once the line, once they figured out what Tech was doing and how the bl- run blitzes were coming at them, they just started to mop them up and blow blow, blow holes open all over that defense. And boy, it, it, it's fun to watch Adrian and Deuce get into the open field.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, they're electric. They're, they're absolutely electric in the open field. Um, but the off of the line was literally just blowing holes through everybody, man. I, I couldn't be more proud. Again, the off the line came to play uh, and they whipped them up front. I mean, they did. There's, there's a whole lot of things that you can say, K-State, we whipped them up front. Again, we had to make some adjustments because they made adjustments. But when we did, They couldn't stop it. They literally just
3: couldn't stop it. Adrian Martinez was ho-hum throwing the ball again. Um, He had the good game against Oklahoma. We're beginning to wonder if that was Oklahoma having issues more than K-State being awesome. But what he was, uh, 12 of 19, 116 yards, one TD, was sacked three times. So they still have some issues with this passing game. It just can't quite get a rhythm.
2: Yeah, I I mean, and today – I'm not going to blame it on Martinez. I'm going to blame it a little bit on the play calling and a little bit on receivers. Uh, I didn't see a ton of receivers running free like we did in the Tulane game. Now, there was some, but uh, some of it was play calling. We've got to get – there were opportunities where we could have thrown and we didn't. That would help. And I just believe that we got to get to that point. There, There were plenty of opportunities when you're thinking, why didn't we throw the ball there? Mm -hmm. And just even if it's a completion of five yards, eight yards, just to say, you know what, when we need to throw it, we can throw it and get five or eight yards. Even if it's short of a first down. Although it drives all, a lot of us nuts, sometimes that confidence of just completing a pass is what you need for the next play. It's not always that play, it's for the next play. And I didn't think that we did a good job of putting our guys in, in a, a great position all game when it came to the passing game.
3: Well, let's be honest, he's he's seen too many drops from his receivers. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just, uh, even Phil Brooks, Phil Brooks' touchdown, he bobbled that and juggled it as he got into the end zone. And I, yeah. I mean, just it's not clean and efficient like you would see, you would want to see from your throwing game.
2: No, no. It, it, like I said, it, this one wasn't on him. Uh, the receivers have to be better. We've been saying it for two years that the receivers have to be better. I mean, Malik Knowles can't go a game catching one pass, it just can't happen. Just literally, it just can't happen. Yep. He's our most talented guy. He is, you know, whether people want to believe that or not, he is. You can't go one game, catching one ball. It just can't happen. And, you know, I don't know. We, we, we got to put them in better position to make plays. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but at some point it isn't everybody else. At some point it's you, you can't continue to blame everybody else. The receiving core just has to be better.
3: Donovan Smith, text quarterback. He wasn't supposed to be the starter this year. He he got it because the starter got hurt. Dude, he was 34 of 48 for 359 yeah. yards. He yeah. is he is getting better and better every week. He's not like he doesn't blow you away. He just gets it done. And he he's a big reason this tech team is hard to put away. Because he'll just keep coming at you. And if you try to get him bottled up, you, you'll he'll escape the pocket and run a little bit. And he just keeps playing. It's it it's almost like he's the entire team now has picked up their quarterbacks demeanor and just, just they're so pesky. I keep coming back to that word. They're just pesky. They don't go
2: away. Yeah. Yeah. He I mean, he played well. You know he played well and for the most part he played well all year you know and today it just we just couldn't get him off the field i mean we finally did but there were just times where we just couldn't get him off the field and they were going up and down the field i mean quarterback is really he's really good and it's kind of what you said he wasn't supposed to be the starter but i think he's kind of taken this and said you know what maybe i should have been the starter this is what I can do. I'm getting my opportunity. I'm going to put my best foot forward. And clearly he is putting his best foot forward.
3: Yeah, it uh, it was really something else to see them come back. Uh, Brian, how troubling is it that this team kind of does let its foot off the gas in games and, and allows opponents to stick around?
2: It's disheartening. Yeah. It's disheartening. We could have buried them. Yeah. We literally could have buried them, and we didn't. And it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, earlier some of the play calling, man, be aggressive. Just be aggressive because sooner or later, kicking field goals and trying to be safe will get you beat. That's just the way football works. Hey, maybe he throws an interception in the end zone that we all aren't going to like, but at least give an opportunity, whatever the case may be, you know, or if uh, the pass is incomplete, whatever, but at least give yourself an opportunity. We can't keep getting third and eights and then run the football for four yards and then kick a field goal. It just doesn't do anything for anybody. We can't keep doing that. We got to give guys opportunities. Again, it's kind of what we said, give guys an opportunity to make plays and then see if they can do it. And if they can't, then they can't, but, we can't say that they can if we're not giving them the
3: opportunity. Defensively, I thought even though Kansas State gave up a lot of yardage, again, they made a good offense um, work for everything they got. Uh, you know, last week they, they got Oklahoma off the field just enough. And in this game, they were able to slow down Tech when they really needed to. And, and they were really good on fourth down. They got Tech off the field a couple times on fourth down, and they've been really good at converting fourth downs all season. I still don't think, though, Brian Hanley, that this defense has found itself. It's still not playing quite at the level I think they're capable of.
2: Nope, not yet. Not yet. Because, um, yeah, again, they gave up a lot of yards. They did. They were opportunistic which you want your defense to be opportunistic, and they were. They were opportunistic, getting them off on fourth down. I mean, Tech, again, playing some of that analytical nerd football, going for it deep in your mm-hmm. own, deep t- in your territory on fourth down. I mean, come on, man, just punt, but whatever. And mm-hmm. But and we were able to get them off the field. We were able to get them off the field. We did our job, but and that was one of the times where, you know, we should have buried them, and we didn't. Having said that, the defense is still trying to find itself, still have leaks in the passing game, still too many receivers running free. Yeah, You know, that's the thing that's dis- disheartening is not that, you know, that guys are, they're completing passes, but guys are running wide open when you're thinking, Hey, where, where is somebody, especially on the top one of the first touchdown pass. I'm like, there is nobody around. Like and, and you know we we got to clean that kind of stuff up because again we're going to run into somebody and if we keep allowing this to happen it's going to be trouble.
3: Total offensive yards for the Red Raiders was four hundred and seventy three. They ran eighty two plays, averaged five point eight yards per play. Flip it over to Kansas State. Tech actually had more yardage. K State though at four fifty nine only ran fifty eight plays. Brian, they, they did average almost eight yards a, a play, but they went faster last week at Oklahoma, and it seemed to help them get a rhythm, and then they went right back to kind of slow down football in this game and lost their rhythm. I'm not a rocket scientist or a football coach, but it seems like there's some correlation here that when yeah. they go fast, they're a lot more comfortable.
2: Absolutely. When they go faster, they're more comfortable. Our quarterback is more comfortable. It seems going faster. It seems everybody is more comfortable. Now, one of the things that I did see when we went faster, you can't repeat plays. This is not elementary football. You can't. Okay, we ran eight yards and we're going to do it the exact same thing again. That doesn't work in high level football. You know, when we're trying to go fast, do something different. You can make plays, change, at least run the ball to the other side or something. But we absolutely function better when we move faster. And I think a lot of that is based on the quarterback, because I think the quarterback is comfortable when we go faster.
3: Felix, Anya, Duque, Uzama, three sacks. Khalid Duke, welcome back, three sacks. <laughs> Those two, we talk about the problem that – the backfield gives for the opposition and Vaughn and, and Martinez, but all of a sudden now you've got Duke and Andyke Ozama coming at you from different angles. They were, they, that was so disruptive. I'm not sure how tech kept functioning, but they kept plugging away.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were getting after it today, um, which is good. We're going to need that, you know, down the road. We're going to need it. And it's just what you said. It's like, man, you would think after a while it would get disheartening, but they just kept going. They just kept going. And, and, you know, and that's the sign of a good team, a sign of a well coached football team is if you know what that happened, we're on to the next play. Tech did a great job of that. K-State put a ton of pressure. Like I said, ton of pressure on them which is good for us, but tech, they just kept playing. But, you know, if we're going to continue to get that type of pressure, then we're going to be, it's, we're going to have, we're going to give people a lot of trouble. Let's just say that we're going to give people a lot of trouble. Uh, they're going to have to shift and do some different things. Cause if we're getting it from both sides, man, I mean, that's tough to block. That's literally, that's tough to block.
3: Yep, indeed. This is the PowerCap post-game podcast sponsored by Caddy Shack Golf. Tim Fitzgerald and Brian Hanley, Hanley excuse me, putting a recap on Kansas State's really nice 37-28 victory over Texas Tech to move to 4 and 1 on the season and 2 and 0 in the Big 12. And after this break, we will kind of take a look around the Big 12 conference because it is upside down world right now in the Big Twelve, and I still can't figure out who the best teams and the worst teams in this conference are. We'll talk about it as we continue after this. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green,
2: the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat post-game podcast.
3: This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudika Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Shack Golf. Four K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories. Caddyshack Golfware. It's caddy with two Ts. Visit caddyshackgolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Tim Fitzgerald and Brian Hanley discussing Kansas State's win over Texas Tech to move to 2-0 in the conference. And, of course, if you look at the top of the Big 12 standings right now, Brian Hanley, it's Kansas State and Kansas at 2-0, just like we all said it would be. (coughs) Kansas yes. with a nice win over Iowa State. Iowa State choked. They missed three field goals and losing 14-11 to the Jayhawks in a game I promised everyone would be high scoring. Um, it turned into, like, an Iowa game. I don't know how that happened. but um, and, and then, of course, the big news, I think, I, it's – I think KU's good. I mean, I don't think this is fool's gold. I think there's something going on here. Do I think they're the best in the conference? No, but um, they continue to win, and that's what matters. Um, TCU just hammering Oklahoma, just humiliating Oklahoma, 55-24 in Fort Worth. They scored 41 points in the first half on that OU defense, and now OU is 0-2 in the Big 12 Conference. Brian, what the heck is going on in the Big 12?
2: I mean well first off to start off with OU OU's just clearly that defense is pathetic I mean it, it just is they got just butchered by TCU I mean it was humiliating they should be embarrassed um but KU is just what you said KU's good because what everybody said about KU was well they score a lot but they can't stop anybody from scoring right. well, a team scored 11 points against them today. You know, now, granted, Iowa State's offense is not the best in the world, uh, and they missed three field goals. But at the same time, that was the the thing. Is that KU really couldn't stop anybody? They were just outscoring you. Well, that wasn't the case today, man. So um, Oklahoma State had a good game against Baylor. I thought Baylor would beat them yep. at home, too. and they didn't. <laughs> um, it, it's just upside down. And here is the thing: K State is right. In the thick of it, man. Yeah. It, it's there for the taking. It literally is there for the taking.
3: Well, very intriguing couple games next week Kansas State goes up to Iowa State for an evening game against the Cyclones and meanwhile in Lawrence they've got another home game a strange three game home stand here TCU's coming in so something's got to give there um, TCU's at 4-0 overall 1-0 in the Big 12 uh, and as we record this Texas is just handing it to West Virginia 35-7 in the second half so uh, I, I think West Virginia might be the worst in the conference but I'm not sure Oklahoma isn't and and I have no idea how that could even be remotely
2: possible. They're bad. They they are, they, they are bad. I mean, and now their quarterback is out because if he, I, I mean, after everything that happened in pro football this week, there's zero chance that he's going to be able to play, that they're going to let him play next week. And I, they're, they're just not good. They're, they're literally not good. And I, I'm like you, I don't get it. I don't want to hear that. They turned over 40% of their roster. They turned it over with other four-star and five-star kids right. from other places. They got a ton of talent on that team, man. They've got to get it figured out uh, because right now OU is bad.
3: Well, nobody in Norman, Oklahoma was saying oh, it's a rebuilding year. No, they were They no. were confident they were going to be national title contenders. And as of right now, they're not even contenders in the Big 12 because they've got Red River next week. they they got to take on Texas, and I don't think Texas is that good, but – they're better than OU right now. I'm right. I'm just kind of blown away that OU might be 0-3 to start this season. Uh, but, again, K-State and Kansas have great opportunities next week to continue to stay atop the standings as K-State, after next week's game at Iowa State, will take a week off and kind of gather themselves. But, uh, Brian, getting back to the K-State Tech game, I- I'm just uh, – I'm just waiting for K-State to kind of settle into a groove. I thought maybe coming out of OU, they would find that groove, that they establish themselves. This is how we can play. This is what we should look like. And they did look like that for the start of the game. And then poof, And uh, I'm, I'm just left wondering, does K-State have an upside that it can find and continue to play at that level? Or is this going to be up and down all season long?
2: I think they can find themselves. uh, It's going to take a collective effort. And part of that is the coaching staff as well. They got to find some stuff and be confident enough. And again, and figure out how to put guys on both sides of the ball and in ways that that guys can make, you know, make plays. And, you know, we saw a lot of leakage today on defensive side of the ball. They got to clean that stuff up. And on offense, again, we went into this lull of them making adjustments and us just getting conservative and we can't be that way. We just have to go play aggressive. We got to play aggressive. And I think on defense, we got to bring more pressure. And when I mean more pressure, I mean, not just from the front three or front four, we got to bring blitzes from time to time. And yes, that's going to leave our guys one-on-one, but you know what? We got to be able to surprise people. We got to be able to bring pressure and just be the aggressor. And on offense, we got to do the same thing. We gotta be throwing the ball down the field, look up the scene, throw the ball to the tight end. I know that's a broken record with me and you, but we gotta throw the ball to the tight end. We just gotta do these things and and because it will open up so much more in the run game. And I know that's a crazy thing to say after today. I go, but it's just the truth, because there were so many more opportunities that we just missed on.
3: Yeah, they, and they, they can't miss on those opportunities in bigger games, more competitive games. Um, I think they'll get there, and here's what they've got after the break, after they go to Iowa State and take their week off. Then they go to TCU. Then they come home with a doubleheader, basically. Oklahoma State and Texas come to town to, um, at the end of October and start of November. Then they go out on the road to Baylor and West Virginia. Then they come home for that post-Thanksgiving game with Kansas Brian, I want that game at Thanksgiving every year. I wouldn't mind if it was on Thanksgiving. I think if KU is going to get better in football, let's make something of this.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Make it a rivalry. You know, a real rivalry game. And that's when the real rivalry games outside of OU and Texas, that's when they're played, is at the end of the year. Let's make this a thing. Now, again, a lot of that depends on KU. You know, they got to get better. But if – this is what it, it looks like. It's trending towards them being better. Great. I like it. And just like you, what you said, if it was on Thanksgiving, I think it would be even better. Yeah. Play it on Thanksgiving, you know, get kick off at three o'clock right after I've had my first helping and let's get it going.
3: I love it. I i can just imagine K-Staters bringing the full Thanksgiving feast for a tailgate. They would oh, do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely.
3: I'm, I'm I'm really optimistic about this season, but I'm telling you, this league is chaos. And if you don't bring it every week, you're going to lose. I mean, this league is so competitive this year that there's just no breaks. There's zero breaks. I mean, Tech was picked for ninth. Kansas was picked for 10th. And I got to tell you, I think both of those teams are at the very least in the middle of this conference, if not both upper half. And that's how good the conference is this year.
2: Again, the top to bottom, the Big 12, even though it's only 10 teams, is the best conference in the country. It just is. We saw it again in the SEC, Texas AM and m getting smacked around, by Mississippi State. I'm like, come on, man. You're just up and down. You can't be that way in the Big 12. You're not going to be able to compete. If you're going to be an up and down team like that, you're going to have four losses on you before you know it. You know, it's just that way. The league is extremely good. And I'm extremely, I I shouldn't say extremely. I I am just so optimistic about K-State because, again, for so many years, we just, okay, we're not that good. We want to lay under the radar. I don't want to be that way this year. We're really good. And I want us to play like we're really good. I want the fans to root like we're really good.
3: It's got, this team's got dynamic weapons in all facets. They can hurt you with the return game. They're good at punting and kicking. Uh, You know, they've got the kicking solidified now. They've got a great backfield tandem. And now they've got pass rushers that are coming at you from all angles and a really potentially disruptive defense. They have the makings of a conference champion which makes that Tulane loss even more head-scratching looking back at what happened two weeks ago to K-State and losing at home to Tulane and then turning around and beating much better teams from Oklahoma and Tech. But you you just have to show up every day. At, tell Georgia that. I mean, I'm sitting yeah. here in my studio watching Missouri, Missouri yes. beat Georgia late in the third quarter. As you listen to this, you know how the game turned out, so maybe – Georgia won by seven touchdowns. But, um, you know, for right now, Missouri, that was just a steaming hunk of crap when it played in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, and then stunk it up last week at Auburn, is beating. Probably the best team in college football. And, I, yeah. and again, I, I, have, I have no idea. I, the, I picked a bad time to start gambling on sports, Brian. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> this is not yeah, going well for me.
2: Me neither. Me neither. I thought I knew what I was doing a little bit, and this year has told me you have absolutely no idea. But you know what? Take the gambling aspect out of it. I love it. I absolutely love it.
3: Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and uh, I I think K-State can, you know, if they just keep piecing things together, they certainly, that KU game, coming back to that, there might be some serious stakes. One or both of the schools could potentially be playing for a chance to go to the Big 12 championship, and certainly now it looks like Kansas will be competing for a bowl game um, and trying to get a higher quality bowl game as they're already at five wins. They just need to find one more before then to, to be eligible. But at the very least, even if they go, cause they're heading into murderers row here in the big 12, even if they do collapse still, they'll be coming to town with, with hopes of going to a bowl game. And, and you know, K state could be trying to play their way into Arlington. We will see, but man, this is going to be a fun season and, and we will be along for the ride the whole way. Uh, I, I hope they can get Adrian Martinez settled into a better passing groove because they're just going to have to have it.
2: Yeah, they, they got to have it. They got to be able to, to move the ball down the field through the air because, again, as we play tougher competition, they're going to take the run away from us. They're just going to do that. They're going to load the box up, and they're going to say, beat us outside one-on-one, and right. we just got to be able to do it.
3: As we wrap up this podcast, kind of a short version of the post-game review podcast, Brian, I watched this game and I did my walk and talk and I'm like, stuff happened, but it didn't seem like any overriding themes in this outside of the obvious Martinez Vaughn and, and Eni D.K. Uzama and Duke kind of stealing the show on both sides of the ball. They're just It was a weird game. It was just kind of yeah. an odd game.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of a little back and forth. I mean, we gave them their opportunity to get back in the game and they took it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when the game got tight, then we extended out, but they didn't really go away. It was just one of those, it was kind of what you said. It was just an odd football game. I thought it was a good game, but it was just an odd football game for that matter. We just, I think a state, this wasn't our best effort. I think we can play a lot better.
3: I would agree. Maybe we will see that next weekend. When the Cats take on the Cyclones up in Ames, it's a 6.30 kickoff. I believe it's on U Cyclones are going to be getting a little desperate here at 0-2 in conference play already. It's a wacky world in Big 12 football this season. But, again, we will be there up in Ames covering, and Brian and I will reconvene, hopefully. We'll uh, be able to call him on Sunday morning from my hotel room and get that done, unlike we did last week. But it's all okay, Brian. It's all okay. As, As we close up shop here on this edition, let's hear Chris Kleiman's opening comments at his press conference following the game. It was interesting. He said a lot of stuff at the top of the press conference, which he doesn't always do, but I thought it was a pretty good recap and summary of the game. Here's Coach Chris Kleiman. Brian, thank you so much.
4: Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, week five of our 12-week season, uh, and, uh, you know, it's one week at a time, and and this was a a really tough football game. Uh, So proud of the guys' uh, resolve in the second half. We got off to a great start in the first half, did a lot of the things that we had tried to do and planned to do. Um, and get some explosive plays and get up a touchdown. It probably um, hurt us that we didn't capitalize on a a couple of those possessions and get touchdowns. We only got field goals, but uh, um, they went for it on fourth and one at their own 40, I think. Um, That's kind of of the thing we talked about the other day in the analytics. Um, We stop them, at least get three out of it, and so um, we're up 13 to nothing, and then we just played really poor in the second quarter. Uh, Got out of rhythm on offense, didn't tackle really well on defense after tackling really well in the first quarter. Um, they started blitzing us all the time. And we couldn't get uh, uh, the ground game going. We couldn't get uh, guys free. Um, Adrian was running a little bit for his life. And um, so I was a little upset. You can ask the guys a little upset at halftime. because I, uh, I thought we let them off the hook a little bit. We could have been up big in the first half. And we uh, lost some momentum. And, uh, and then we have a dumb penalty. And, and they get a field goal before half. And it's 13 to 10. And you're like, how in the heck does this game 13 to 10? Uh, But to challenge the guys uh, at halftime that uh, we were a better football team and um, that uh, we needed to rise up and show some resolve and somebody needed to make some plays. And we needed to, um, you know, stand up in the second half and and say – aren't going to come in here and push us around at home Uh, and uh, we played really well in the late in the third quarter and then all the fourth quarter we were able to finally get pressure on the quarterback really good player donovan smith's really good player Um, and uh, felix was able to get to him khalid was able to get to him we were able to get him to turn the football over and then uh, you know I, i think. They blitzed us so much, we finally found some creases. And when you do blitz like that, you do have a tendency to give up explosive plays. And we had a number of explosives, which we really needed to have because we weren't going to nickel and dime them uh, with as much as they were pressuring us.
3: How good was Adrian in the running game?
4: He was, uh, he was really good. I uh, thought uh, our O-line blocked in the run game extremely well. And he was very patient. And w- when you do blitz and you crack that first line, um, there's not many kids that can catch Adrian. And uh, he had a couple of explosive plays. Deuce had a couple of explosive plays in times where we had to have it to flip the field. Is that
3: more likely Duke, what we saw today?
4: Um, we, we brought him a lot. I think you guys noticed that. We put him on the line of scrimmage and uh, let him do what, what he does really well. Uh, and then we also dropped him in coverage too, to try to help at least some of our tendencies. But uh, I, I was excited because you know, he had a big smile when we said, you're going to get to go rush the quarterback today. And uh, he made some big plays. On defense, when you look at the SAS sheet and see turnovers, uh, fumbles, interceptions, and sacks, what stands out to you most there? Um, the turnovers. You know, when you think we get them to turn it over four times, plus they went for it on fourth down twice and missed it, that's really like six possessions you get. Um, you know, we made some some mistakes. Uh, give them credit. I thought their kid made a great play on Echo. Echo's trying to fight him off. He one hand catch. I mean, that was a big time play by that kid. Um, but uh, we blew a couple of coverages and gave up some seam routes that we can't have. And, um, you know, we got him into a few negative plays, which helped us. And, and um, you know, it was one of those things where 82 plays is a little bit too much for us. We played an awful lot of guys. You saw some different players. You saw Gavin Fourche out there. You saw Dez out there. You see, saw Jacob Parrish out there. You saw a lot of different players, but when it was getting to that big of a play count, plus second half, we were having so many explosive plays that uh, we were back out in the field.
0: Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.